the Spirit of God is welcomed here, and we are grateful for the Spirit of God's presence. And now I am going to count on the Spirit of God to help me as I preach to you something that is very near to my heart and very important uh, to all who believe, and I, I believe will strengthen all, uh, even those of you who do not believe. We're so glad you're here. And, and I want to encourage you to lean in and, and to know that this is, in a lot of ways, the heart, the heart of, of everything that makes Christianity Christianity. You know, every week I have the privilege after service to talk to, to people and then uh, in the afternoons uh, we'll receive emails and direct messages through social media. And then during the week, uh, conversations are often about challenges that you're facing, problems at work or at school, uh, maybe a conflict in your relationships, um, in your marriage, in your home. Um, it may be opportunities that are before you and, and you're overwhelmed by them. It, 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 it could be that you're struggling with a sin that you just don't seem to get victory over. In every circumstance, the remedy is always the same. No matter what challenge we are facing, the remedy is always the same. Whether you hear it from me or where you go into depth with those in our counseling center, the remedy is always the same. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel has the power to, to free you, which enables you to know that you are dearly loved by God that he is alive and at work in everything you're facing. And it all has a divine purpose. As we finish this series talking about divine purpose, as we've now walked through these first few verses of Colossians, my prayer is that you believe and you know that your life matters to God, that your story is not an accident that before any one of those days came to be, they were written in God's book. And now all you have to do is trust him. And, and Psalm 139 verse 16 gives you the assurance that you have a destiny. Find it. Fulfill it. Having come to Christ, you can know that you are now God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. There is a plan. There is a place for everything that you are going to go through because God's divine purpose is at work. Today, we want to talk about this deliverance and the importance of understanding dominion, what that means, why it matters, and the huge implications that it has for those who trust in Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go with me now to Colossians chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in front of you. Feel free to download the ESV app on your smartphone or tablets or iPads, and uh, you will be glad that you did. Colossians 1, uh, Riley's going to read for us. Where's Riley? Come on up, sweet girl. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. As Riley comes to read for us, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. Read it for us, Riley. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Riley. Great job. Again, this was written... Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul, who was in prison in Rome, 
he was being helped by Epaphras. Epaphras was sent on a mission trip by his church, the church at Colossae. Having been there and explained the circumstances of the church there at Colossae, uh, Paul, again, wrote the word of God under the inspiration of the Spirit of God to this church. This church, uh, as he establishes, if you'll go back and look, verses 3 and 4, that this is a church with faith and love on the foundation of the hope of heaven. They have been taught by Epaphras. They've been discipled, that is, uh, into this knowledge. This knowledge was now changing them. And now Paul comes to the critical point where he is revealing to them this new reality that they're in. He's pointing out the obvious, but the obvious is not always seen. He, he's now uh, providing this glorious picture of what God is doing in the world. They were experiencing God's purpose as, as, as they were seeing their lives rescued from sin and death. He explains how that happens how it happened for them, how it happens now for us who believe in Jesus Christ. The two things I would point out to you is this. The first is this. God's purpose is to rescue us by delivering us to a new dominion. God has delivered everyone who has believed, but he's not done yet. His deliverance has come. We sang the song that we sang, the first song we sang this morning. By the way, some of you don't know, this service starts at 11. 11. It's crazy, I know. The first song we sang, we, we sang about these two realities that are at work. One is that our shackles have been thrown into the sea. And, and we who have believed are free. But one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. There is also going to come a time when the trump shall be sound and we shall be raised to be with the Lord forever. And so we have this reality, but it's not yet finished. That God has, has brought us into this relationship. He's rescued us, but the restoration is not here. Remember, the Bible is not a collection of stories. It's not, it's not just a group of sayings. It's a single story with four parts. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. For those of us who believe, we are now in the season of rescue. We're in the story of the rescue. Some of you are stuck in the fall. Some of you are still under the dominion of darkness. You, you have not yet been liberated, but you can today. You can today be liberated. You can be rescued. And, and this rescue promises the, the hope of the restoration. Now, if you're stuck in the fall, the restoration is not hopeful. It means that as those who are rescued are restored, you're stuck in darkness and dismay forever. Those who believe, though, there is this glorious hope and realization that, that what God is doing is, is just the beginning. There's going to come a time, it's described in Revelation 21, when, when the Lord will return. And when he does, the restoration will be like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Again, the sea is it's symbolic of chaos. No more chaos. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Right now, we live in a reality where there are tears, or we do mourn, 
where the pain is significant. But we do not endure alone, and we do not suffer without hope. We grieve, but we grieve, 1 Thessalonians 4, as those who have hope. And our hope and our confidence is this world is not our home. Christ has come to rescue us so that the shackles of, of sin have, have been released. And now we're able to pursue God and we're able to live in this new reality. You know, when, when a woman be, becomes pregnant with child, the moment of conception, she has a person inside of her womb. And for those of you who are with us today because you, you've met us through the Pregnancy Center, we are so glad to have you. We are so excited that you're here. You are dearly loved. You are safe here. And your life and the life uh, that is in your womb is, is one that is honored and cared for. And we're so happy you're here. And we can't see, wait to see what God has for you. Because see, when, whenever a, a child is conceived, at that moment, a person has now entered into that woman's life. And that is going to change them from the inside out. There's going to be a lot of changes from the inside out. At the earlier service, there were a lot of young dads that, that were sitting next to their pregnant wives, and they were all nodding a little bit too enthusiastic, if you know what I'm saying. Yes, there's some changes. <laughs> But it does. It's when this life comes into a person, when, when it comes into a woman, it, of course, there's this radical, this radical change. But it's nothing compared to the change as to when that child is born. See, when that child is born, there is an outward reality that begins to change everything about their life. Now it's not from the inside out. Now it's from the outside in. And so now all of a sudden, there is there's a lot of noise in the house. There's a lot of crying and there's not a whole lot of sleep. So ladies, get it while you can. Sleep, sleep, sleep. But when that child comes, everything changes. And so it is for those of us who are in Christ and Christ is in us. Right now, the work is inside his life is inside of us, and it is, he is working from the inside out. The more he grows in us, the more our lives change. And, and there is a work that has begun in everyone who believes. And here's a promise you can take from God, Philippians 1, 6. He who began, sure, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Look at this, at the day of Christ Jesus. There is a day when Christ will come. And there will be an outward transformation. Right now, the transformation is from the inside out. When Christ returns, there will be a change from the outside in. And we will never be the same. The coming of Christ, the first coming, has brought our deliverance. He has brought about the rescue. And so when we think about the story of God, again, we, gotta be, we have to be mindful of where we are. We're in the midst of the rescue operation. This is one stage, if you will, of life in Christ. A restoration is yet to come. The already, but not yet. We're in the midst of that tension. But here's what we can know. If Christ is in us and we are in Christ, then we are being changed. This rescue, I, I love the word delivered, rescue here. It's uh, erosado. It's where we get our word erosado. It's where we get our word arrested. It, to be arrested is to be taken out or away from something. 
to be delivered, to be rescued, is to, to, to bring someone out of a severe and acute danger. It, it implies that the evil state of the, of the rescued, we were once in a very serious condition. Some of you are there now. You are in a condition where you are enemies of God. You say, whoa, 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 I don't want to be an enemy of God. Well, of course you don't. But here's the thing. So long as you are committing treason, that is sin, against the high king of heaven, you are an enemy of God. You are standing in opposition to him. But for those who have believed, there has been a superior power, this rescue, this, this Christ who has all power to save, has arrested us, rescued us, and brought us, has delivered us into a new reality. Now, the conflict issuing uh, from this, this deliverance is significant. The cost of our sin has led to a payment made by God. We read Romans 6.23, and I think we often you know, talk about it in terms of the Romans road, and, and we think of, about it in terms of, of kind of that, that, that great gift, but do we understand the cost of this gift? The wages of sin is death, but the, three, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Understand what enabled that gift was a payment, the payment of death. John Owen was dead right. The death of death came in the death of Christ. That, that death in Jesus won the ultimate victory over sin and death. And so now the good news is that we are now free to pursue and recover God's design. Before we came to Christ, we were trapped in sin. Those who come to Christ, Christ comes to live in us. We are now trapped in righteousness. Think about that. We are always trapped we are always possessed, if you will. The question is, what possesses us? Look what it says here in Romans chapter 6, verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves, that is, possessed of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become, look at this, slaves of righteousness. You become possessed by righteousness. Understand the human condition is such that we are always under the dominion of someone. We are always under dominion. We are born in sin and under the dominion of darkness. For those who are in Christ, for those who have Christ in us, we are now, though, free. We're rescued from not only the punishment of sin, which is hell and eternal death, but the power of sin. That is, we can now live righteous lives. We are, we are given a new dominion. All who are in Christ are under the dominion, uh, and we are free from the dominion of darkness. Now we are, we are trapped, we are held, we are possessed by righteousness. Look at this. When we are rescued, understand, we are transferred. We are transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. To be transferred is to be placed under a new authority. Now, we're, we're in Kentucky. We, we, we sort of love basketball. So those of you who know basketball, when an official blows his whistle and does this, what is he saying? Jump ball, or she's saying, jump ball. They stop the clock and they say, there's a problem. There is a reality that cannot exist in this game. There is a ball, 
and it must be possessed by a single entity or team. There is no possible way for there to be a ball that is not possessed by a team, can't be happening with a boat team. So they stop the play and they call jump ball. And in today's game, they look at the possession arrow and they say, who has possession? Whoever has possession, they are given the ball. Friends, we are the ball. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. Who possesses me? Whose dominion am I under? Whose play is at work in my life? Who is dribbling me? Who is shooting me? Who is, who is determining what happens to me? You are either under the dominion of darkness or you are possessed. You have been transferred to the kingdom, the kingdom of the son that God loves. Now you gotta understand something. Once you are transferred under this new kingdom, it, it changes everything. If, if you think that Christianity is just gonna change something, you don't understand Christianity. To be possessed, to be held, to be under the authority of Jesus Christ changes everything. It changes the way you define yourself. This is what the word of God says, Ephesians 2. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are, look at this, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Listen to this, Philippians 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is who we are. We are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of the Son of God. Before we are citizens of a nation, before we have a, a dedication to, to anything else, this is first and foremost. This life of Christ in us changes everything about who we are, which changes how we pray. How do you pray? Oh Lord, bless us for no more. How do you pray? Oh, Lord, give me. Oh, Lord, get this. Oh, Lord. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Matthew chapter 6 says this. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is this how you pray through pain? Is this how you pray through your challenges? Or do you just say, God, get me out of this? God, get me out of this marriage. Get me out of this job. Get me out of this, this difficult situation. Jesus said, no. Pray, your, your will be done. Lord, I trust you. I know that I am here for a reason. There is more going on than just what it has to do with me. Lord, bring about the, the glory of, of heaven through my life in this circumstance. See, when your citizenship is first and foremost in heaven, it changes the way you see yourself. It changes the way you pray. Everything is about the kingdom of God. It's about the glory of God. It's about the goodness of God. And that having changed our experiences, it changed our expectations. 
Now we want to see God materialize, this, the miracle of God happening, not only in our lives, but through our lives. So it changes how we are identified. It changes how we pray. It changes how we live. If you claim to be a Christian, but your life is not being changed by the living Christ alive in you, you have every reason to question whether or not you're a Christian. I don't mean that in sociological terms. I mean, anyone can claim anything around here. I mean, you can say you are what you say you want to be. That doesn't make it real. There is reality. And for those who are really saved and under the dominion of the kingdom of the son God loves, changes how we live. First Peter 2.16 says this, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. If you have been transferred and you are now under the possession of God, who you are is different. How you pray is different. How you live is different. We are not trying to cover up or make up for our sins. We're not looking for people or things to define us. We're, we're living to serve God's purpose with hope. We are serving like our Lord. Mark chapter 10 says this. A lot of scripture today, I know. And Jesus called them, uh, called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. I want you to think about this for a second. I'm gonna come back to this. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Go to the next one. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Go back. Jesus Christ is great among us who believe. And he is the one who served us. Who is first in your life? Go to the next one. Whoever would be first among you. Is Christ first among you? Is Christ first in everything in you? That's why he came. He came to serve as a slave of all, to be first among you. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. We're going to come back to that word in just a moment. Ransom for many. God has gone to great lengths to bring you out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son he loves. It, it has come at the price of, of his suffering our life, now governed by God's beloved Son, changes everything. Under God's rule, we have a great blessing because He now rules us. How does He rule us? He rules us with unconditional love. He rules us as the Son that God loves with love. Let me tell you some good news. And it sounds... Not so good news, but it's really good news. Doesn't need you. God doesn't need you. That means that there's nothing he will ever seek to get from you out of a sense of need. God doesn't need you, but you know, here's some good news. He loves you and he wants you. God wants you, not because he needs you, but because he loves you. God's not trying to get something out of you that he needs. He's God. He doesn't need anything. He though comes to us. Why? Because he loves us. He has come to free us from the dominion of darkness to bring us under his rule. And because God loves us, 
we can trust him to see us through any difficulty because he loves us. We can trust his power to allow only what is best for us. That means if you have come under the dominion, if you are now the possession of Christ, if Christ is in you, then you can say, <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. Listen to this. You prepare a table before me, not in the absence, he says, but in the presence of my enemies. In the midst of your greatest fears, in the midst of your greatest pain, Christ comes and he gives you a feast of hope because he loves you. In the midst of our suffering, he prepares a table. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I, say it with me, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. This is the grace of God. Christ alive in us, governing us caring for us in all things, in all circumstances. All the while we know one day he's going to restore all things and then I will be in the house of the Lord forever. Some of you right now, you are under great burdens. You are carrying things that your body was not meant to carry. Some of you are carrying shame some of you are carrying guilt. Some of you are carrying anger. Some of you are, are carrying a burden because you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to prove to everybody that you're somebody. You're trying to, to go to before the world and say, look at me, look at how great I matter, I matter. And the world could care less. But Christ Christ says to you, you weren't made for that. That misery is not what you were made for. You weren't made for that yoke. Jesus says, listen to what Jesus says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is his yoke? What is his burden? It's faith. You were made to live by grace through faith in Christ alone. You weren't meant to try to form your own way through life. You weren't meant to pursue something that would define you and make you feel important. You were meant to trust God and to know that he loves you. And the moment you do, the moment Christ enters your life and his life is alive in you, it changes everything about you. 
And now he is doing a work and he's going to carry it to completion until the day of Christ. Then one day he's going to return. Until that time, the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. He's going to lead you and guide you. And he is going to fit you for the, for the weight you were meant to carry. And you know what that weight is? It's light. It's a weight that says, God, I trust you because you love me even though you don't need me. You won't use me inappropriately. You won't con me. You won't try to take from me. All you want to do is love me because you don't need me, but you want me. That is freedom. That is the gospel. That is the life that God is calling us to. The life under Christ is a life under a new ruler and a new kingdom for a glorious purpose. And there's only one way to enter in to that life. That is Jesus Christ. So write it down. God's purpose is to rescue us by redeeming us to a new life. Please understand. Life under Christ is not old, your old life with new and better stuff. It's not your old life with a little bit of church, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of Bible study. It's life that is new. It's a new life that has been redeemed and set free. There are some of you who are believing a lie today. Some of you are believing that you can earn your salvation to lie. Some of you believe you can never have salvation because of what you've done or what's been done to you. It's a lie. There is no limit to the power of the grace of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can be saved. Remember what salvation is. It's redemption. Again, let's go back to this word, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be saved, um, so, but to serve, but to serve, look at this, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's a payment that has been made. Now, there are some who wrongly teach that when Jesus bought us, he bought us back from Satan. That is not true. What Jesus did was, is he met the just demands of God's judicial system. Again, back to Romans 6, 23. For the wage, wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This free gift came at a great expense. The only way you, can, you and I can have this life is that we have to receive it by faith. We cannot earn it. It's been paid for. Here's what you've got to know. Someone must pay for your sin. God's justice demands it. Here's what you must choose. Will you allow Christ to pay for your sin or will you choose to pay for your sin? When you think on that, Think about the cost that Christ paid. Think about what he said on the cross. Remember in Matthew 27, 46, Eli, Eli, Alama Sabachthani. What is he saying there? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. The penalty for our sin has been paid in full. 
We have been ransomed. It has been purchased, not to the devil. The devil doesn't have that authority. He's under evil. Yes, him and all the one-third of devils that fell with him. They are simply under the dominion of darkness. Yes, they are working and deceiving. And we are under the dominion without Christ of darkness. But in Christ, we're free. Why? Because he's bought us and freed us. We no longer have to fear life or death. We no longer have to earn what, what it is we think we need by and from this world. We can come to Christ and we can be fitted perfectly for what he designed us to be. We can have new life. We can be a friend of God because of what Jesus Christ has done. Romans 5 describes this. Now, being justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Either you have peace with God through faith in Christ, or you are an enemy of God, and you are under the dominion of darkness. And everything that Satan and all the demons of hell will receive is what you will get forever. Christ has come to give you new life. He has come to live in you. You know, there's, there's, there's only been, I think, one Sunday or maybe two uh, when uh, there's not been a person in those waters. Almost every Sunday this year, someone has been in those baptismal waters proclaiming what God has done. They, they have been, their old life is over. They're, they've been buried with Christ because they died to their old life. They've been washed with the, with the blood. They've been washed in the spirit of God and they've been raised to walk in a new life. Some of you need to experience that today. You need to die to an old dominion and an old life under the authority of darkness. And you need to come alive. You need to receive the free gift of God and gain new life. And that new life will define everything about you, what you pray, and what you do. And you need to understand that you may not get another moment to do this. I was going to start with this. I'm going to end with this. Um, go to Psalm 2. Understand that all of us must choose what kingdom and ruler we will be under. We all must choose. We're all volitional creatures made in the image of God with the responsibility to take on the consequences of our choices. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, that is the Messiah, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, <laughs> I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord 
said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. You are either under the dominion of the kingdom of the son that God loves, or you're under the dominion of darkness. You choose. The whistle has been blown. Whose possession will you be? Will you be under the one who will destroy and hate you and, and take any good that can be stolen and robbed from you? Or will you give your life to the one who does not need you but loves you? The one who has paid the penalty and received in himself the wrath of God so that you don't have to. Some of you need today to come and get on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Take control of my life. I am yours. Some of you claim Christ, but do you live like it? Do the people nearest to you, do they say, there is a Christian. There is a, a child of the kingdom of light. This is one that I can trust and follow. This is one who is pursuing the most high God. Friends, if not, then you need to repent. And you need to recommit yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ. Some of you are struggling. You have challenges. They are by God's design and for his purpose. Will you trust him? Will you say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Strengthen me, provide through me. Some of you know some who are hurting. Can you pray for them today? God has the power to save. He's waiting for you to ask for it. Let's stand together. Father, you have the power to save anyone who will come to you right now. You are willing to strengthen any child who would desire today to walk in your way and to carry this glorious yoke of grace. Lord, you will forgive any who ask it. Lord, you hear the prayers of your people who come in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to ask your favor. And there are those today who need it. Would you hear the prayers of those who come to believe, those who come to renew, those who come to ask for you to provide for those they care about? Come and pray.